everyone. Welcome to Connected, episode 251. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Pingdom, Astropad Studio, and ButcherBox. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Ah, uh, he's back, baby. Hello. Hi. You're back. You didn't give me the excitement that I was expecting for my triumph and return to the show. Well, I mean, I've already talked to you, so like we've already, we've already had that between us. Right, but the listeners don't know. Well, they do now. For them, all they get is between episodes, right? For, for everybody else thinks we haven't spoken for two weeks. I don't think anyone thinks that. <laughs> no, sure they do. Sure they do. We only live inside the show. We own a business together. <laughs> no, but that's it. It's just the show. That's it. Everything that happens happens in the show. Nothing more. We are also joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. How are hey, you? But, hey, hey, Federico's here. Yeah. Hey, nice. Thank you, Steven. Thank you. I would like to, at this point, rearrange the document. Uh, because it's important to me to rearrange the document right now. So You've been back for like uh, three seconds, and you're already causing havoc. Yeah, well, I feel like that my havoc status can only be explained by telling a story that I have to tell. Okay, tell the story, please. Well, let it be known that the only thing we know about this is an, a, two, um, a note in the document that says, Mike has a story to tell, indentation, beverage. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The beverage is not so much part of the story. Oh. It's like the end of the story. Okay. So last week uh, I was away. I was on I was on vacation at Fire Island at the Ahmet Beach House, and uh, my vacation ended yesterday. Uh, it was supposed to. I'm still in Fire Island right now. Blink once if Marcos chained you to the radiator. <laughs> uh, the reason. Wait. So you're not in the UK. I'm not in the UK. I was supposed to be home yesterday, uh, but I'm not. Because I had an accident. Well, I didn't really have an accident in so much as I did something very stupid. So, beaches have lifeguard chairs, right? Have you, Federico, have you ever seen these? Like, they're like really high lifeguard chairs. These huge chairs. They look like the chairs of giants. Yeah, drowning exists in Italy. Yeah. So, they're, you know, well, I don't know. Like, we watched the uh, Baywatch, the Rock Baywatch movie, and they have these little <laughs> huts instead. Which, by the way, that is a fantastic movie. Yes. It's uh, which very I, good movie. is absolutely hilarious. If you realize very early on that they are making fun of themselves in the movie, which they are, it's fantastic. I absolutely loved it. So, you should watch the Rock Baywatch movie because also the Rock's in it and he's amazing. Um, so, at the in the evening at these beaches the lifeguard chairs they have no lifeguards in them and they say keep off so uh, i climbed one and <laughs> we, we all we all climbed the chairs to sit on the chairs because they're like really high i don't know they're like nine feet or something from the ground did you fall off the chair no i didn't fall off the chair <laughs> Uh, the only way to really get... There's two ways to get down from one of these chairs. One is you can climb back down the way you got up. Or you can jump into the pile of sand. Like, there's like a big pile of sand that they put at the bottom. Oh my God. So the lifeguards can jump down so they can go and save people, right? So, like, they're actually doing good things. So, I'm not great with heights, but I was there anyway. I was feeling uh, very relaxed. I was in a very good mood, so I was on top of the chair. And then uh, Tiff jumped from the top and she landed she was perfectly fine uh so then adina was gonna jump but she got nervous so i was like all right i'll do it first now i jumped and i made two fatal errors in my jump error number one was i remembered that on my honeymoon i really badly sprained my ankle yes we all remember that so i was trying to minimize the uh damage to my ankle that was point number one Point number two, which is the, I think the bigger problem was, I decided to aim my landing exactly where Tiff landed. Now, 
What happens to sand when sand is compacted? It gets hard. It becomes very, it gets very, it becomes very hard. Mm. Yes. So I landed completely on that point. Felt like concrete. Uh, I have quite badly damaged my back. So I oh am still in Fire Island because I couldn't face getting on a plane. I have moved a plane flight for great expense. And so here I am. So I am still, I'm on an accidental so vacation. Now you still. are stuck on an island with Marco yep. Armand because yes. you tried to jump off, a, off of a lifeguard chair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, is what like, happened. This sounds like the setup for a joke. <laughs> so the reason that beverage is in is I am drinking coffee right now. Um, I'm drinking Marco Armand coffee, but I'm still on island living. So it has something in it called rum chata, which is like a rum based liqueur, which is really nice. So I'm feeling extra uh, special today. I also need it so I can sit down and talk to you knuckleheads for 90 minutes because oh I can't sit down most of the time at the moment. Le- so that's where I am in my life Help right me now. understand. Did at any point anybody suggest to you, Mike, you should land where Tiff just landed? Or wh- No, that was my own decision. And do you, So this is how my brain works, right? She was okay. It must be okay if I land in that exact spot. That's how my brain works. But that was stupid because... Uh, I landed and it made a bad noise. A, a, a bad noise? <laughs> it made a bad noise. It made a crunchy noise. Oh. But I'm, you know, I can move around. I'm just stretching a lot. You know, I've spoken to an uh, expert and I'm just stretching a lot. So that's where I am and where I am right now. And I'm going to be here for a few more days. So I'm on, a, and I'm on, a, I'm on an accidental vacation here. Well, Got taking some painkillers and um, CBD moisturizing cream thing. Put that on my back. Try and mellow me out. So I'm like, I'm really feeling it today, boys. But here I am. Wow. This is so much better than just beverage. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for you, though. But also, here's the, here's the other thing. Here's, the, here's maybe the bigger thing. I'm sitting in front of Marco Ahmed's computer right now, and I'm terrified of it. Oh. Mm. Can- he has a very messy desktop. Hmm. Yeah. Very messy. There's just stuff all over it. Can you look at his documents? I mean, I could. I don't want to, mm. uh, but I could. There are like folders on this desktop that I'm very intrigued in the names of, mm. but I won't open them. Mm. But I'm also just really scared because when I came up here, he had like Xcode open and stuff. Mm. And I'm just terrified that like I touch something and delete Overcast. That is, that's my current thing. Can you maybe inject some malware into Overcast for me? <laughs> If I knew how to do it, in theory, yes, just I could type, do it. Just type UI malware something. UI malware, <laughs> pseudo something. I, you know, I have, I have great respect for Marco's level of trust in me. I mean, he listens to my shows. He knows how inept I am at computers, but yet here I am. I'm sitting in front of his uh, iMac Pro right now. I wouldn't have um, thought of you. I can also touch all the dials. Like, he has lots no, of dials for his the audio dials. stuff. I could touch all of them. Um, I wouldn't have um, thought of you as the outlaw type of person you know Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. jumping off of lifeguard chairs so here's here is my general problem with this stuff you know me you know that i am a warrior typically right like i tend to worry about things i'm quite a nervous i thought you said a a warrior i am a warrior at heart no one can stop me i will fight you Uh, anyone anyone sand i'll fight the sand with my butt at high speed um anyway so i uh i'm a warrior at heart right (laughs) And when I am on vacations, I relax a bit more and I worry less. But then I do stupid things that then make me worry more the next time. So that is my, that's my general flow. And it's, it's a shame, really, that this, this is kind of where I am in my life. Well, but yeah, 
It's not a bad place to have a bad back, I'll tell you that. What I'm hearing, though, is that next year's WWDC, we got to have a beach day and uh, try and find a lifeguard chair and see if you can get yeah, better. I'll show you how to see if I can get better at it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can train. Yes. I'm going to train. Yes. Well, I'm sorry for your, for your accident, Mike. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, again, I've just extended my vacation. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it is just more difficult than usual to move around, and I am in... A considerable amount of pain. So, Speaking of putting you in considerable amounts of pain, <laughs> have you installed any public betas on your iPad? No. I have installed none. I have installed no betas because I have been spending a week with the individual who hates these betas more than anybody else on the living planet, mm. which is Marco. He's poisoned. He's poisoned them for you. You cannot spend time with Marco right now and be excited about running the betas because he is very not excited about them. Well... Yeah, I mean, he has a point. It's not, it's not, it's not good, especially if you use no. iCloud. Uh, so I think last episode <laughs> I mentioned everything's fine, seems fine so far. And of course, it's the kind of statement that, you know, you spend a couple of days using the beta and you realize, no, it's not everything's fine. So to- No, I, I'm not touching this one either. Yeah. It just feels like talking to you, right? There are still problems. I'm scared. Yeah, I cannot drive. And this is, you know, uh, Craig O'Canberry has been talking about this. The Ulysses folks had um, a blog post a few days ago about this. I cannot drive... Uh, it's not clear what Apple is doing, but it's basically um, l- losing data or duplicating documents. Uh, for example, I'm, I'm using MindNode, and every few minutes it creates a duplicate copy of my mind map for the <laughs> iOS review. But why wouldn't you want but that, But get though? this. It creates a duplicate copy for, from yesterday. So it's like it's Ooh. going back in time and saving... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, you probably want to wait for beta 4 at this point. Uh, just, you know, uh, wait for people to say that it's fine. Uh, you are losing on some interest in betas, you know, from third-party developers going going on now, but uh, you can wait. Yeah, but I also, you know, no one's asked me to test their applications. Developers don't know that I'm running iOS 12. No one's asked me. No one cares, so... I'm just, you know, I typically don't get the amount of betas that you do because well, I don't are have public, a fancy blog to run. There are public betas now, especially with the test flight oh, links. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I think that it's so much easier. Like I was thinking of a few years ago when I used to struggle to find betas. And now you can... Do you remember yeah. Do you remember what it was like to use like test flight and oh hockey my God. Oh my back God. in the day? Oh, my God. Whoa. If you had a new device... Yeah, <laughs> and everyone manually removing devices from the oh my god, that was terrible. But today there are like Twitter accounts. You can search Twitter, and you will find accounts dedicated to sort of resharing links to public uh, test flight links, and so you can find all kinds of betas. That kind of stuff so useful for new developers, right? But developers that don't yet have relationships with people like you, right? And they want to get the the they want to get smart people to look at their applications. But they don't yet have a outlet mm-hmm. at which to find testers, and being able to just be like, "Here's a link, try out my app." That's such a useful thing, right? Like, and also, I mean, just in general, for when people are sending out PR releases and stuff, and they're just like, "Well, click this link and go and test the app out," rather than needing to go through this whole rigmarole. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, very true. We had a couple of items from the last episode we wanted to touch base on, but first, let me tell you, it's called follow up. It is. Mm-hmm. Touching on items in the past. Did you ring the bell? Mm-hmm. What was I that? I rang Marco's bell. Yeah, that was that was the bell. I just decided to hit the bell. It's good. Let's hear that a few more times. It's good. I'm a troublemaker today. It's good. 
This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom, the company that makes website performance monitoring really easy. And everyone loves a fast website. Pingdom is helping keep your favorite sites online. Sites like Netflix and Amazon, Spotify. I don't know if Twitter is anyone's favorite website, but Twitter, BuzzFeed, Slack, RelayFM. These are just a few companies that trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Websites are complicated beast now. It's not just simple pages. We have lots of site transactions, stuff like user registrations, logging in, checkouts, and much more. And Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest experience possible when on your site. So they are monitoring all of those different types of transactions. And if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL and they take care of the rest. That's it. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. My thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. Okay, follow-up. Last week, Federico, you and I spoke about iOS 13 audio sharing. And so, Federico, so how does this work? Is it just Apple Music? Does it work with podcast clients? Do you, are you faxing music to each other? What's going on? Um, so I, I have a confession. I forgot to test it with third-party apps, um, mm. but I did test it with third-party headphones. So it sort of, <laughs> you know, it balances out, I think. Um, so it's built right into Control Center. So I think as long as you can, as long as an app uses the even the basic AirPlay uh, streaming technology, not even AirPlay mm-hmm. 2, I think it's going to work. Because all you do is you literally just select multiple headphones in Control Center and like you have checkboxes. Um, and it just goes off to multiple Bluetooth devices at once. So we're not talking about AirPlay 2 speakers here, but like I tested with my AirPods and with my Sony you know, the headphones with the unspeakable name, the MX3 something. Um, those are standard. 1000 MX3 yeah. dash. Yeah. Why did, what is wrong with Sony? Just come up with names for stuff. I don't know. Uh, so I tested with my second generation AirPods and those Sony headphones. And uh, what I did was I put one AirPod in my left ear and I just sort of, uh, uh, of course, I didn't put on headphones, but I sort of just listened through the uh, right ear cup of the headphones uh, so that I could hear the simultaneous audio streams going on at once. And sure enough, it works. There was an extremely slight delay on the Sony headphones. Like you could tell that the AirPods were like a fraction of a second ahead of the Sony headphones. And I think it comes down to the custom chip and the custom integration that Apple is using for the AirPods. Um, but I did try with music and podcasts, for sure. So, I, you know, listening to podcasts, to like to spoken content, it was kind of weird because it created this... Um, and of course, nobody actually, is actually going to do this, but it created sort of this weird and very slight um, sort of a echo effect like I was listening to automators and I could hear, like it was like I was listening to to David in a giant empty room with some very slight echo uh, because of the latency on the Sony headphones. And it was, it was a very slight delay, but I could tell the difference. Now, I don't know if uh, this is going to get better in, in terms of, you know, future beta releases, uh, but it does work. In music and podcasts, at least, it works from Control Center, and you can select any Bluetooth phone 
that you may have in addition to AirPods. So if you happen to have, you know, AirPods for yourself and an extra pair of headphones and you want to give those to a friend during a trip or something, I don't know, you can share that audio of two standard Bluetooth headphones. And at least in music and podcasts, it's going to work. I think it's going to work everywhere. I think this is such a cute feature. This is so cool. I like it. I think it's going to be really great. Also, never share your AirPods, please. Never. That's why. Never. Gross. So gross. Never do that. Why are they so gross? So gross. Blech. Gross. I hate AirPods. They're so gross. I love them, but they're gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we also spoke about the Eddie Q interview in GQ, and there was part of that talking about iTunes. Music sales, Q had this comment of, you know, it was still just fine when we cut over to Apple Music and we were curious about that. So Federico, I think you did do some homework on this. Yeah, I looked at a bunch of Nielsen reports for the state of the music industry and I looked for 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, Apple Music, of course, launched in 2015. So it only made sense to start from 2016. And every time I looked, they mentioned, and of course you got to pay if you want to have the, or you got to sign up if you want to have the full report. So I just looked at the free summary. But in the free summary, they always mentioned, uh, yeah, I don't want to give my email address to to this kind of company, you know, the, those, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, reports and, and yeah, no. Nah. Um, anyway, they always mentioned a decline in digital downloads. And uh, that was pretty clear, clear to me that, of course, standard music sales were going down. They also, this is something that we should have mentioned, how all of these um, associations that report on music numbers, they now use the expression of album equivalent, which I think is a way for the music industry to describe playlists. Um, because of course, oh, okay. so they always use yep. the album equivalent uh, you know, as a as a consumption metric, as they say, uh, because when the when streaming numbers got added to the standard reporting for like Billboard and all these other companies, um, they also needed to account for the fact that uh, people now don't necessarily listen to an album, but perhaps listen to a playlist for an artist. And so I think that it's very complicated, but I think that's what the album equivalent means. But in any case, mm-hmm. again, they always mentioned how standard digital uh, downloads were in decline, uh, as opposed to, for example, vinyl sales <laughs> that were going up, or I think in the past... CD cap- sales are going CD up. CD sales are going too. up, and even, and even cassette tapes <laughs> somehow are going up uh, because of no, but it makes sense though, right? Because because like, of Ipsers, yes. People, people our age want vinyl, like me. The younger generation, they want what like they missed. So CDs and cassettes. It's the same thing, really, just because they're these interesting little keepsakes that are that's something you might have some vague memory of from your childhood. So I don't know what Eddie Q was referring to, but uh, digital album sales definitely not growing. So. Before we move on, just uh, another quick reminder that we are doing a live show in San Francisco here in really just uh, so what, six weeks or so to mark Relay FM's fifth birthday. There's a link in the show notes. There are some tickets left. We would love to, uh, to see you in San Francisco. It's going to be good. All right, Mike, our first tiny topic is labeled Mike's foldable dreams may come true. Well, I mean, they're going to come true at some point because foldable screen technology is clearly the future, full of no road bumps. But there was a there was a thing on Mac Rumors which was labeled as a according to a sketchy rumor. So it's completely nonsense that there would apparently going to be a foldable screen iPad in 2020 and it will have 5G. This is obviously not going to happen. But I did just want to touch on this idea a minute. It's like 
it would be so cool to have a foldable iPad. That's kind of all I really wanted to say today. I think that it would be great if I could have like multiple screen sizes, you know, so it could be either a small iPad or a big iPad. And I still think, I mean, I just want to keep kind of referencing this and touching on it every now and then because it really does feel like the logical future of personal technology is the ability to have these more adaptable devices and the screen, foldable screen technology clearly feels like the easiest way to get there, except no one can do it right yet. But it does feel like it's incredibly difficult and we will get there. But I think it's going to take some time still. I saw like an article of, I think, somewhere over the last few days where like Samsung CEO was like, yeah, we rushed it. We shouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. It was too soon. Foldable iPad, though, seems good, right? Sure. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's any surprise that Apple has played with this. I think the timeline and the inclusion of 5G networking is the sketchy part. But, of course, Apple's mm-hmm. experimenting with this, right? They experiment with all sorts of things. And it would be cool. I mean, the I think the idea of the foldable device is interesting. I think the concept has been marred by these early attempts. But someone will get it right eventually. And I'm sure Apple is keeping a close eye on that technology. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems logical that they are building these products, right? Like, because... It's like the big phone thing. If this ends up being the thing, then it will be. They will need to have some kind of entry into this market, mm-hmm. and hopefully one day it will be. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll, they'll uh, you know, sometimes Apple waits for a product category to kind of get good, and they move in. And sometimes they they jump in earlier. And I I do wonder if this becomes a thing, how quickly they would have something there. Uh, I guess we'll see. Would you be willing to put a 2020 foldable screen iPad in your predictions for next year? Mm. Uh, no. Don't do it. Is that a Ricky? That is the Rickiest Ricky. You don't know. We never know, though. Let's see how the rest of the year goes, right? Like, if multiple companies come out with products and they're like, oh, all they needed to do was this and it's perfect, then you never know. But it seems seems quite Ricky. All right. Up next, we have Zoom, which is a uh, a VoIP application. I know, Mike, we use it for phone calls with various people sometimes. And yeah, it's a good conference calling thing. And I use it with Jason Snow. He uses it for the, for some incomparable stuff a lot because mm-hmm. it's actually really good at group stuff because it does a bunch of recordings automatically of other people's tracks and stuff that Skype doesn't do. So it is actually a pretty interesting way of dealing with this stuff. Uh, they've been in some hot water this week where uh, a couple of things happened back to back. A security researcher disclosed a, a feature in Zoom, which is called click to join. So basically you just get sent a link and it, it opens and you're in the call. You know, a lot of these conference call software, I'm sure we've all used them. Like you open the app, you have to enter like a 15 digit code and it's, it's all sort of messy. Zoom tries to get rid of as much of that as possible. It's, re- it's actually very, it's very convenient. Uh, problem was it was too convenient, but it was very convenient. Yeah. Like you would you'd click a link maybe that was in a calendar invite and it would just open the Zoom app. It was very useful. Yeah, it was too convenient because it turns out this security researcher found that uh, on the Mac, a, a video call could be occurring without the user's consent or knowledge, which mm. is, it's not great. It's not, that's an oopsie daisy, Stephen, that, is what that that's is. a word for it. Uh, <laughs> that's an oopsie daisies. <laughs> it's a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so they, you know, we're talking about that, and so people kept digging, and it also came to light that that Zoom is running a local web server <laughs> on your Mac, <laughs> and uh, and that does uh. a couple things. It makes it really easy just to like reinstall Zoom, but they're doing it 
to get around a security feature in Safari 12, which displays a confirmation to a user to launch Zoom from the browser. Mm-hmm. And if you're running a local web server, apparently you can get around that. And uh, So this is obviously good. terrible, very, very bad. But I love things like this because I can see the conversation that happened. Probably not in a conference room, probably in a conference call, right? Because it's a conference calling company. Oh, do you think they all work remote and just call each no, other? No, I reckon they all get in the same room and they just have a conference call in the same room. Everyone's got the computers in front of them. Mm. You've got a conference call. Uh, and you can imagine it, right? Like what led to this, which is kind of like, oh, well, we need to get around this thing because it's really annoying. What we could do is just this. And someone's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And no one ever really stopped to think about how dangerous it is well it's quite the path quite the path from oh this button is annoying that i need to confirm every time to let's just run a local web server (laughs) and not think about the consequences you gotta you know what is it occam's razor (laughs) just it was the simplest solution to that problem let's just open everybody's computers up to the internet constantly all the time for us to be able to press buttons on their behalf seems like the easiest way to do it It's, it's no good no good at all. Mm. Uh, Zoom's had a bad week. They have an update that's out today, if you have it on the Mac, that fixes the click-to-join bug, and it removes the local web server. Uh, I did see some tweets, and I went to look for them before the show started, and I couldn't, I couldn't find them. But uh, it seems like some other conference call software does similar things, and I, I assume that they will be – Yeah. now they've been called out for that, <laughs> they'll be addressing it. But it's uh, it's not a good look. Uh, on, on, I agree with you. Like – as far as conference call software goes, Zoom is actually pretty good, but a real bad look on, on, on their part. Yeah. I mean, I see that stuff. It's like, I'm, I'm disappointed, but I'm not mad, right? Like, I don't believe they were trying to do anything bad. They just made a stupid decision, right? Like, it was just stupid. But this is one of those things where, like, the reason they did it and, you know, reasons it will probably end up breaking in the future. It's like, it's Apple's trying to make the devices more secure. Because a lot of the times, especially like with this kind of stuff, it's not the users that are making the bad decisions. Mm-hmm. It's companies making bad decisions on our behalf. We need to be saved from them. And most regular users would never know. None of us knew this was happening, right? Like, they took a real expert to find this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this is why we do need... I mean, it's funny, really, because like I spent some time thinking about this. Like, There aren't viruses on the Mac, really, right? Like, it's not a problem. But Apple seems to be doing more and more about locking down the system and making it more secure. And I was thinking about this recently. Like, why are they... Why do Apple feel such a need to do it? And this is why, right? Like, it's stuff like this. It's protecting us against stupid product decisions sometimes, as opposed to someone from a like nefarious group trying to hack our information and steal our bank account stuff. So It's also, I think, a good example of... The argument that Apple should open up iOS more and specifically the iPad more. Exactly. Um, you cannot, yes. you know, it, it, it is possible for apps to open um, a local web server on the iPad. Uh, you know, there's apps like Working Copy, for example, that do it to let you preview a document in Safari. There's apps that do it to let you transfer documents wireless, wirelessly on the same local network. Um, but it's not as... You know, it doesn't get the, the same background privileges that you get on the Mac. It's not the kind of process that is always going on that you need to mm-hmm. manually kill and delete with the terminal. It's it's a more sandboxed and constrained environment. And so whenever we see these problems occur on the Mac, whenever we hear these stories, I think of, I kind of understand 
why Apple doesn't want to go down the same route necessarily with features on iOS, features on the iPad, um, because you get these computers in the hands of many more millions of people and suddenly you have these problems on a much, much bigger scale. And I also understand on the on the other hand why they want to lock down the Mac from a security standpoint. Because like you could argue that Zoom didn't didn't intend to act as a as a bad actor here. They didn't do this maliciously, but still the effect of their decision decision is that it's potentially a vector for malicious attacks. And so you have, exactly. you have to wonder, you know, all the folks that do not update the Zoom client, they could potentially be at risk. Now, I'm not saying that this is a security, you know, it's not a security apocalypse going on. But I guess this is an argument for the notarizing, right? Yes, yes. Because in this instance, if something got really bad, Apple can just cut off the application. Just, just turn it off. Yeah. And I, and I don't like the tone that, of, of Zoom in the response. Um, when, you, when you get caught doing this kind of workaround and you even if you weren't trying to be bad you have to take it as you've upset people to take it you have to apologize and you have to fix it not act all defensive about it which i didn't like in their in their blog post good times software it seems complicated no talking about good times i saw a tweet from friends of the show Guillermo rambo he was using amiibo to activate shortcuts Mm -hmm. federico this is like if there was a wheelhouse this of yours, this would be it, right? You are, This is like, couldn't be better for your Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Amiibo collection, shortcuts, right in the middle. Basically, it all comes down to the fact that shortcuts can read any type of NFC card. It doesn't matter to an extent what kind of data is written, is written onto the tag. Um, the problem is, in this case, NFC... Uh, chips inside of Amiibo don't have the kind of data item that iOS will interpret immediately. Uh, For example, if you try and scan an NFC tag that has a URL uh, written into it, iOS will, by default, on on an iPhone XS at least, I think also on an iPhone X, it will, by default, uh, display a notification um, and let to offering you to open the link. Uh, but in this case, uh, NFC tags that are contained inside Amiibo, and as well, Rambo also tweeted about uh, NFC tags embedded in, in credit cards, especially the ones that we have in Europe. I don't know if, if folks in the US also have contactless cards. Um, those NFC chips have data that iOS will not automatically try to launch or open. And so... It is totally possible to read, to scan an NFC tag from shortcuts uh, and use it as a trigger. Of course, the only downside is that NF- uh, is that Amiibo have NFC tags built into the base of the figurine. So you will, it's not exactly convenient. Yeah, really, you need a, it's like the opposite. You need to have like a stationary iOS device and then you just tap the Amiibo onto it, right? Like it's, it's, it's the other way around. But you also need to have the iPhone facing out. Because the yeah, this is uh, just the iPod Touch have the NFC kit probably not right. Like I'm thinking, like you put like an old phone, you just leave it there all the time, <laughs> right? And it just becomes but, like an NFC base that you use. Yeah, basically. Uh, but you know, it's fun because um, of course you can now uh, NFC works totally in the background on the latest uh, iPhone XS generation devices, I think also on the XR, with shortcuts, which is not an API that developers can use. Only shortcuts can read and run 
code based on a successful NFC read in the background. This is not possible for third-party developers. I also think, I gotta look better into this uh, because I'm gonna write about it later this summer, uh, that there's an API in, in iOS 13 for apps to write data onto NFC tags. This used to be only possible if you had a smartphone on an Android device because mm-hmm. iOS didn't have any write capabilities for NFC. But in theory, it should be possible now for a developer to build an app that can write data onto an NFC tag. So in theory, if this is possible and somebody makes it, uh, you, don't do this, but you could override whatever is written onto an Amiibo. <laughs> um, so don't don't do it. Uh, but also do another thing that you may want to consider is I have a bunch of NFC tips here. Um, I was re- recently trying to attach an NFC sticker onto my IKEA nightstand, which is made of metal. Uh, but of course, basic NFC stickers conflict with metal. They do, mm. if you place your phone on top of the sticker and the stick and the sticker is on the metal surface, it will not work. You can, f- you can go to Amazon and search for anti-metal stickers. And I bought a bunch of them and they do work. They have like an extra layer of plastic or whatever it is that allows them to produce a successful scan, even if they're placed on top of a metal desk or a- any metal surface. Also, on Amazon, and I'm not, you know, saying that you should do it, but you can find, uh, or especially on eBay, I think, not on Amazon, but you can find uh, Amiibo alternatives that are not official Amiibo figurines, Mm -hmm. like custom cards, custom stickers that have the same data of an Amiibo, but in this case, you can actually treat them as colorful and fun triggers for shortcuts. So like you can have a sticker that has Zelda on it or Super Mario and be a trigger for a shortcut. There's plenty of these figurines and stickers on Amazon and eBay. Are you going to like program each of your Amiibo to do a different thing? Well, it's possible. Uh, it's a real possibility at this point. I have like 20 Link Amiibos to choose from. Uh, you should have like all your different time uh, tracking things set up. You know, you've got like fighting Link for when you're ready to do something. It's like sleeping Link for when it's bedtime. What I, what I considered was a system to sort of suspend Amiibo in mid-air in front of my desk so that they could be easier to scan with my phone. Like you could do that. Hanging amiibo in front of me and each one could be yeah. like like Ganondorf could be like, I don't know, uh do email, you know, very bad things. That is a very Ganondorf activity. Yeah. And and but they need to be suspended so that the base is easier to scan with my phone. Mm. So I like it. Mm-hmm. I think Sylvia's gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully she's not listening to me while I'm saying this right now. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I, my NFC st- situation is evolving as we speak. I have a bunch of stickers on my desk, one on my nightstand, one in the car, so that when I, when I tap the sticker in my car, um, I get a menu in Shortcuts that asks me, do you want to text Sylvia and tell, tell her you're home? Or do you want to play some media? And then if I choose media, it lets me choose from Apple Music and podcasts. Uh, So it's an easy way for me to text Sylvia when I'm home um, or to start playing something. So I have one in the car. Um, Yeah, it's probably more. 
there will be there will be more. If if someone wants to buy NFC stickers, like is there some sort of specific thing they need? Do you have some examples of ones that work well? Like if if someone wants to get started, if you just buy a twenty or thirty pack on Amazon, any NFC sticker will work. Uh, just okay. yeah. be mindful of the kind of surface that you're sticking sticking them to. So if you if you have metal furniture or a metal desk or table, you gotta you gotta buy the specific ones for those types of surfaces. And you know, otherwise, any NFC card or tag or sticker will work. You can also find NFC tags that you can attach to your keychain. So they have the little keychain loop thing. Oh yeah, uh, look at these. Yeah, you can you can uh, you know if you want to have um, something related to keys, for example, or your car keys or whatever, you can have a tag. It's a plastic tag. It's a little device that you can keep with, with your keychain. Um, yeah, and I guess if you go if you really go down the rabbit hole, you could consider embedding like sewing um, an NFC chip into like fitness gear or something uh that's also a possibility you know uh like like uh, try and, and embed a tag in a in a t-shirt or in a armband or something i'm worried about the person that puts one in their skin that's what i'm worried about i think somebody did that years ago people do it people, people do, do it. it it's a thing people do yeah yeah well, Can you imagine if you were stupid enough to put one in your hand and every time you pick up your phone, <laughs> it, just, run something. it triggers something just every single time? Oh, that'd be fun, though. We have uh, more to talk about today. We have a lot, of, a lot of stuff left in this document. First, let me tell you about our second sponsor. And that is our friends at AstroPad Studio. AstroPad Studio turns your iPad into a completely customizable graphics tablet. So you can combine the power of the Apple Pencil with your favorite Mac apps right on your iPad. The makers behind AstroPad understand that no two artists work alike, and that's why they've packed AstroPad with opportunities to customize every aspect of your workflow with features like programmable gestures, custom pressure curves, and unlimited per-app shortcuts. They designed AstroPad from the ground up for professional artists, and they guarantee low latency performance over Wi-Fi or USB so you can set up your workspace on the go. It's a high-performance tool for the most demanding creative work, and it's used by major animation studios and product design firms across the globe. So if you're ready to take your creative workflow to the next level, you can start a free 30-day trial of AstroPad Studio today. Just visit astropad.com to get started. That's astropad.com to check it out and try a free 30-day trial. Our thanks to Astropad Studio for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. I'm standing now. Okay. Just let you know. Just some stretches while you were doing the ad. Okay. How's do you need to call a, a hospital or something? No, no, they were good stretches. Okay. They were they were the stretches recommended to me by an expert. So was this expert a YouTube video? <laughs> No, no, no. It's an actual uh, health expert. So you found an expert on the island? Uh, no, it was over a Skype call. Over a Twitter so DM. An, an expert from the internet. Yeah, an internet expert. Mm, okay. They exist in the real world too, though. Yeah. Mm, okay. Some big news, guys. I hope you're sitting down, except for Mike, who can't sit down. No, I'm, I'm standing up. Should I be sitting down? Because it hurts to sit down. I would say it's worth this because Texas Hold'em has returned 
to the App Store. So Texas Hold'em is a is a poker, right? I don't I don't play cards, so I don't either. No, I don't know how to play it. It's uh it's some sort of poker game. It uh, originally showed up on the iPod. There's a link actually for Mac Stories. I think from last year where I wrote about some of like Apple's forgotten iOS apps and games. And uh, this was an iPod game, like on the ClickWheel iPod, and they brought it to the iPhone. It is now back. It supports new screen size resolutions. And in the uh, release notes, Apple says it is to mark the 10-year anniversary of the App Store. But here's the thing. They're a year late. This summer is the 11th year of the App Store, not the 10th. So, Something happened there, but uh, it's back and it's free. It was four ninety nine, but because uh, App Store is now free, and you can go, uh, you know, if you finished Warren Buffett's Paper Wizard and you feel like you've really aced that and you're ready to move up in the world, Texas Hold'em is waiting for you. If you're craving that sweet hot Apple gaming content, now you got Texas Hold'em uh, to play this why summer. Are they doing this, I just don't understand why it why they feel the requirement. Because Apple is now is uh, don't don't you know the 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 hot take that Apple is now serious about gaming? Uh, you know they're quite they, they have quite the streak going. Warren Buffett, Two. Paper Wizard, mm-hmm. now Texas Hold'em. What's next? Uh, what is, what is next? Tim I don't Cook's know. Tim Cook's marvelous spreadsheet or something. You know that could be a game. Cus- it's like customer sat, but like Flappy Bird. <laughs> So you have to like keep the chart going. Flappy set up, flappy set. You got to get the chart through the roof. That's the, you're in a big house, and you just got to keep it's like awesome. it's like one of those you idle clicker ch- games. You control the chart, and the chart goes up uh-huh. until it's so off. It's, but you've got to you've got to dodge the chart, right? So like, okay, so all right, okay. Let's go back to the drawing board on this one. Imagine you have you have like a like a chart in front of you. And you've got to get the customer sat to dodge things. So you've got like face ID. So you've got to go down underneath <laughs> face ID a little bit, right? Because the customer sat went down. But then, and then like then something good happens, which I can't think about right now. And then it like goes up a bit. And you've got keyboards. You've got like jump right all the way down from keyboards. And then you'd be like bigger phones and it goes up again. And you've got to keep like dodging the good things and the bad things until you can get it right through the roof. Yes. This is flappy sat. Flappy sat. Coming to you soon Which from Apple Games. Which will be on the App Store as a subscription. It's going to be part of Apple Arcade. <laughs> oh, it's going to be on Apple Arcade. Very nice. Is it iPhone only? It's, no, there's going to be a really nice iPad version. Of, well, and it has to be because it's on... It's on uh, so Apple TV as well. It's on Apple Arcade. So it's going to be on the Apple TV and the Mac. And the Mac. Wow. Flappy set. Wow. You should be a game designer. Thank you, I know. Phil Schill is still in Texas Hold'em, which is good news yes. for everyone, I suppose. Yes. Yes. Yep. Is, it, uh, is so it the same photo, Stephen, of, of Phil? Let's see. Let me look at my It tweet. looks like it's the same photo. So he couldn't even be bothered to, to shoot a new photo. Oh, yeah. He's wearing the same shirt. It's the same artwork. So he either has the same shirt from 10 years ago. Possible. Or it's the same photo. 11 years Possible. ago. Ele- sorry, 11 years ago. No, longer ago. than that, because it showed up on the iPod. So this was... Uh, it showed up on the iPod... In well, maybe 2006. Phil, maybe Phil is just very conservative about his clothing choices. Third, not in that shirt. <laughs> Look at that thing. Uh, it looks like the same image. I think it is. So that, that image is 13 years old. And, uh, mm. uh, you know, Voorhees in his article on Mac Stories like, pointed out like, the artwork is expanded. And I have a lot of questions about, like, did they have vector art? Like, this was pre-Retina. Or did they, did, 
that some poor intern have to recreate Texas Hold'em, and then like surely they didn't just like update the build. Like what? Yeah, someone spent real time on this. I mean, but that might be why it's a year late from the App Store. Uh, the intern went back to college, uh-huh. and then they came back, and she finished it. She's like, "Oh, I forgot about this." This is it's so weird to use this app as a celebration of the App Store. When it existed on iPods, it wasn't even like new for the App Store. Mm-mm. It predates the App Store, right? It, it does. Yeah, I mean, the, it was on the iPod in two thousand six. They should bring back cards. Oh you, yeah, you remember cards? That was great though. The cards that you could get from that app, like the letterpress cards with the image, they were really nice. I used to get them for people for birthdays and Christmas mm-hmm. and stuff. I would like them to bring what those else? back. What else should they bring back, Stephen? You're the historian here. Old iOS apps from Apple. Uh, Logic Remote? Still, is it still a thing? Is it I still think it still store? is. I've wow. never, I use Logic every day of the week, and I've never installed Logic Remote. M- music Memos, I think, is still on the App Store. Airport Express Utility. Sure. <laughs> that could be one. Uh-huh. Don't uh, bring iPhoto. back the airport, but just bring back the utility. Still don't make it, but just like keep updating the application. That's still around. They actually just had a firmware update for the airports like two weeks ago. Like someone is still there turning out updates. <laughs> Someone's just yet to be fired. Is is the situation? They're just yeah, hiding. They can't find that engineer. Like the where, oh, like in the move. You know, I don't know what campus he's in. They so they can't fire him. They don't know where he is. There but he's like be, out there, just like updating the firmware. There should be a story like like a one of those Bloomberg, you know, Mark Gurman stories about the 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 folks at Apple who work on these projects on the very fringes of the company like yes. here's mm-hmm. the guy that updates airport utility here's the guy that works on music here's, here's the person <laughs> who is responsible for the stickers and clips <laughs> here's the entire iMessage app store team <laughs> <laughs> two people <laughs> go go forth and uh and texas hold him i guess that's very strange. Mm-hmm. Very strange story. It's also uh, it's number six in the casino section of the App Store. So Is it, there's a casino section. Apparently, that's what it says on this page. So can you bet and real money with Texas Hold'em? No, I just think it's like no. I mean, you could, you could because you want to bet on everything. Federico, but. Federico, you can never go to Las Vegas. You know this, right? You you're not. You cannot go there. I have a passport. I have an Esther. I can go if I want to. I know, like, technically you can, but you should but never. you shouldn't. You should never do it. Look, I don't... I, so, if I were to go to Vegas, uh, keep this in mind about myself. I don't know how to play any, any, literally any card game. You know, but it's not just card games. The only thing I know about casinos is what I've seen in the movies. So, what I would do is I would play the thing with the... With the with the other thing that spins Roulette. and you say twenty three black. Yeah, you see. So that I would you do. You already know enough to get yourself in trouble. That I would do, and also the thing when you need to push down on the on the uh, what's it the called the lever, the slot machines. The lever, yes, the slot machine. Yeah. That I would try. Uh, so those two, yeah. see, I know how to operate. You already know too much for me to tell you <laughs> to never go just bring to some, Las Vegas. I would bring some cash, you know, <sighs> just just like a like a like a a small pile of cash yep. and and start betting on everything including people like i would bet on other people's uh, experiences and they'll take a bet for anything in vegas so this is what i'm saying it's bad for you you shouldn't go there mm. let's see here's something here's something you could have made a bet on uh, but i don't have a problem macbook updates yeah it's not fun it's fun it for some fun. people i i thought it's it was great. interesting news this is my week to shine on this 
Connected Podcast. Yep. See, see you next week, Federico. I'll be here. Uh, I have I have thoughts. Good about MacBooks. You know, I really don't. Well, oh, I want to hear them after I tell people the news. I have thoughts about the nicknames that are going away. That, but we'll uh, talk about it later. Okay. Okay. We will. Okay. We will talk about that. So. Yesterday, Apple announced their annual back-to-school promotion. You know, usually you can get uh, a MacBook discounted and you get some Beats headphones. Back in my day, when I worked at the Apple store, uh, you got a free printer on back-to-school. So you got to take a printer to your dorm room and be really cool. That feels that feels like a gift that is a burden. It is. Because, like, I mean, I lived in a dorm room. I didn't have any room for a printer. Like... I didn't have money for ink. What are you doing? Yeah. Most schools have print labs. Anyways, so they got rid of that. Now it's Beats headphones. So that's a pretty normal thing we see in July. But Apple also updated and sort of rearranged the low end of their notebook line. So uh, the headlines here are the MacBook Air, which was just released in the fall of 2018, uh, received an update, not even a spec bump. All they added was true tone to the display, which, of course, is Apple's color temperature matching uh, hardware and software. Uh, the rest of the machine is still identical. So if you, if you own a MacBook Air, like, don't feel bad. Your machine isn't out of date. It's, it's literally just this one feature. They dropped the entry-level price to $1,099 here in the U.S. I got some tweets from people saying, you know, it's, it's higher other places. I understand that, but uh, that's what they're doing here. And uh, it's nine ninety nine for students. They killed the you know I'd forgotten about this. You could buy the old non Retina MacBook Air still. That was nine ninety nine. Yep, that's gone now. So every Mac notebook, in fact, every single Mac with a display except the cheapest iMac is now Retina. So finally, almost there. And uh, I think it's great. You know, the one hundred twenty eight gigabyte SSD and the entry level model kind of stinks, but it feels like the MacBook Air is at the right price now. And uh, I'm no, excited I don't about think that. So. I don't think it's at the right price. I think it needs to be under a thousand for everybody. I think it needs to start at nine nine nine. Like that's where that machine should be. Um, then it's. I think then it's perfect. Like I don't think it's great that a regular person can't go into an Apple Store and buy a MacBook for under a thousand dollars. It'd be nice, but I think this is as close as we're going to get for a while. I, yeah, I think, oh, it definitely is. Right. I think it they may is. be able to get there eventually, but for now, ten ninety nine is better than where it was. And I would say I think it's great that they've got it under a thousand for typically the people that need it the most. Sure. Right, which is students. Yeah, yeah. And that was clearly yes. why they've done this now, right? Because mm-hmm. we've got a bunch of, we have some some things to touch on later on as to like how strange this seems depending on what we think we know about the next six months or whatever. But right. this is the back to school promotion and they've got, they've made this machine a little bit better, a little bit cheaper and they've cleared up the line. Um, so yes. yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the right time mm-hmm. to do it, but it is curious at best. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that. So, so that's what's going on with the MacBook Air. The 13-inch MacBook Pro saw a lot of change. So before this, there was the four-port 13-inch MacBook Pro with Touch Bar and Touch ID. And then there was the two-port, no Touch Bar, no Touch ID MacBook Pro. That was nicknamed the Escape by the ATP chat room. I know this is where Federico complains about the nickname. But yep. the nickname was helpful because two-port and four-port was Kind of a mouthful. Anyways, that machine was not updated for the last couple of years, and it is now gone. And in its place is a MacBook Pro with two Thunderbolt ports, 
but with Touch Bar and Touch ID, and it starts at $12.99 or $11.99 for students. And so the the MacBook Pro now is consolidated. They all have the Touch Bar. They all have Touch ID. The cheaper models have two ports. The nicer models have four ports. And they have resolved the issue a little bit that the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air were basically like $100 apart. So there's a little more room now between the two. And I think, yes, I agree with you, Mike. It'd be nicer if it was $300 difference as opposed to $200. But they've sort of separated the Air and the MacBook Pro a little bit, which is good. Yeah, and price and functionality. Yes. Get, yeah, getting, and, uh, well, getting rid uh, of the the version that had physical function keys, right? Like mm-hmm. that's now separated those devices a little bit. So now you can, the MacBook Pro only gets the Touch Bar. So I mean, mm-hmm. I think what that shows is Apple's committed to the Touch Bar long term, right? I think that was the question. It does because yep. they have now removed a model that didn't have it, right? So yeah, uh, two models actually. Because well, I mean, <laughs> in, in the MacBook Pro line, but oh, yes, sure, sure. So yeah, so the Touch Bars. If you have a MacBook Pro, you have a Touch Bar. And, of course, both machines have the Touch ID sensor. So Touch ID is now on every notebook, which is great. Also, the, the, in the uh, 13, it's a little bit more – you have to pay a little bit more attention to the ports, right? Because you, mm-hmm. can, get, you can still get a four-port version, but it's the maximum configuration one. Otherwise, you're getting two ports with the touch bar. So that's, it's just something to pay attention to, right? They didn't add more USB-C ports or Thunderbolt 3 ports to the machine that they added the touch bar to, effectively. The surprise, well, I think all this was a surprise, but I think the biggest surprise of some people... The biggest surprise, ...is yeah. that the 12-inch MacBook, so the one-port USB-C, not Thunderbolt... The machine in 2015 that introduced the butterfly keyboard. That computer has been discontinued. It, again, was last updated in 2017, just like the Escape, and it is gone. Mm-hmm. It's now the second time... Apple has killed the MacBook brand. They did that a while back and then brought this one back uh, in 2015, and now it's gone again. So the MacBook uh, name seems to be... Uh, Cussed. Just transient. <laughs> it comes and goes, as Jeff Williams pleases. I, I, I get why people were sad about this. I was honestly surprised at how much feedback I saw on Twitter that people... I think people who were into this machine were really into it. Yeah. And those of us who weren't just don't care. I'm sad about it, like, because I always felt like this machine was going to get its MacBook Air moment, right? Mm-hmm. That it was like a fundamentally flawed computer that all they had to do was this one thing to fix it, and then it was going to be the perfect computer for everybody. Right. Which is what happened with the MacBook Air, right? The original MacBook Air was a little bit of a disaster, mm-hmm. um, and then they made some updates to it, and it became like what is still considered by so many people their favorite ever Mac, right? Like, Or at least Mac laptop. Like that, that 11-inch MacBook Air... An unbelievable machine. Um, and the MacBook never got that moment. It never had its jump that I think a lot of people were hoping that it was going to have, including me, just because I thought that I, I owned one. The form, the form factor of that machine is exactly what I want out of a Mac, mm-hmm. like out of a laptop. Super small, super thin, looks great, came in some colors, like wonderful. But I think where it is right now, because they couldn't seem to make a jump, they probably had to get rid of it because it confused the lineup. I don't know why anyone would pick it, right? Like the only people buying that machine were people that wanted that machine. Like you would not go into an Apple store, I think, and pick that one out of what was offered to you, especially when they updated the air. Yeah, you don't stumble into the MacBook, right? It's no. it's you because you want as small and as light of a notebook as possible. And especially now that the air comes in colors, right? That you can get it in different finishes. 
makes it even less of a reason. Like, because you might get some people like, I want a gold computer. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. But now the air comes in that as well. So like, it's even less reason to have the MacBook. Plus, it was a worse computer. It was more expensive. It's just like it was all over the place a difficult thing. So it, it really does clear the lineup. It makes the lineup much more clear to now remove it mm-hmm. because you were bringing the price of the air down, but probably not the MacBook. And I, I'm sure that there's like a bunch of other things just from a technological standpoint that like still keeping that monitor around about true time might have been like an expensive thing to do over time because all the rest of the, they probably have economies of scale in the other monitors, like in the panels. I don't know. But it was clearly not a device that they could find something to do. I saw Jason Snell tweeting about thinking, which is kind of an interesting thought, that there might have been a, another thermal corner here. They couldn't put a fan in it, so they couldn't make it more powerful. So they kind of designed themselves into a situation where they could never make it better. I mean, I think that may be partially true. So the the MacBook used the what was formerly known as the Core M series, very like 5-watt TDP, very low-power chips. And they did that so they'd be fanless. There are options out there. There are other machines on the market using modern chips in that family without a fan. They exist. Hmm. Okay. Maybe Apple. Okay. Maybe Apple's implementation made it difficult. But I think they looked at – I mean, that may have been part of it. I don't think that's the whole reason. I think that looking at the line – it was a problem. We've spoken about this before. Before all this, if you had $1,200 to go buy a notebook, you had three options. You had the Air, the Pro, and the MacBook at effectively the same price, about $100 between between them. And that was just really confusing. And now it is simpler. You have the MacBook Air, and if you want more, you have the MacBook Pro. And had the MacBook been the cheapest of those – you know, if the MacBook had been eight ninety nine and is like really the the entry level, that may have made more sense. Or if the MacBook was really premium, right? So, hey, you want thin and light? It comes with a higher price tag, and maybe that was fourteen ninety nine or fifteen ninety nine. The MacBook may have made more sense then as well. But yep. all of these notebooks in the same really tight like price range just was confusing. And uh, when its thinness and lightness became less unique to it sure it made it less appealing the 13 inch macbook pro and 13 inch macbook air are very similar in size which we'll talk about in a second like the macbook wasn't as big of an outlier as it was in 2015 right remember in 2015 uh they were still using like the unibody style macbook pros like you know the really good 2015 models the macbook looked like magic compared to those laptops Mm -hmm. and uh and so now it's uh now it's gone away Uh, i do think that in hindsight apple's 2015, 2016-era notebook strategy was clearly flawed. So you have this machine that I think they did it because they could, and they they sort of built the case that if you want something really thin and light, you have this. But it never really took off, and the people, again, the people who were into it were into it, but it wasn't a big hit. And then you look at the the previous, you know, machine, the MacBook Escape, two-port, no-touch bar, in the 2016 keynote, when they announced that, Phil Schiller's on stage and says, look, you know, we also sell the MacBook Air and we're keeping the MacBook Air around. They also they killed the 11-inch Air this day too, but they're keeping the 13-inch Air around. But we've built this version of the MacBook Pro and we think customers who like the MacBook Air will just move to this. And they just didn't do that. People hung on to the MacBook Air and... The MacBook Air is a very beloved brand. That's why they brought it back in 2018. That's why that machine is tapered and looks like the old MacBook Air. You know, people on Twitter were asking yesterday, several people asked me, like, well, why don't they just rename the MacBook Air the MacBook? So they have the MacBook and the MacBook Pro. 
I don't think they can do that because the MacBook Air is such a beloved brand and now they have a good one again. And the the MacBook Pro without the touch bar never caught on with those people. And it really looks like that machine was sort of a failed experiment. Now, the intra-level 13-inch MacBook Pro we have today, you know, those machines use less powerful CPUs in the higher 13-inch. Like the, the new entry-level 13-inch MacBook Pro effectively is the escape with a touch bar. Like it's not a drastically different machine inside. But from a branding perspective, it's, there's a clearer line now. And that that middle machine that's like, it's not an Air, but it's not really a Pro. I don't think people were, I just don't think people were into it. And Well, whether they were or they weren't, it was still too confusing. It, 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 it was too confusing. And it wasn't getting touched. It wasn't getting updated. Right. So when they it st- needed to go. When it missed its second round of updates, so it, it didn't get updated in 2018, it didn't get updated in 2019 with these new machines. Like, okay, like something is happening with this model. And there was a lot of debate about what that would be, but I, I think it was pretty clear that they needed to clear the lineup. And I think they've done mm-hmm. a really good job of it. I think this is the first time since 2015 the entire Mac notebook line makes sense. We can quibble about pricing and features and the amount of solid state storage, but I think like from the big picture, like where are the models, how do they relate to each other? I think finally it's clear again. And that I'm glad for. Can can you just clear up something for me? I just want to make sure I can confirm my understanding. Sure. Did Apple remove that computer or did they add a touch bar to the computer? My understanding is they effectively added a touch bar to it. So, Right. Because, I mean, because what I mean is it's like they didn't – because they have three configurations you can get mm-hmm. now, like the base configurations. There wasn't four before. Like the, base, right. the base one is effectively what the MacBook Pro with no touch bar was, but they've added a touch bar to that machine. Yeah, yes. So now they're all... Okay, great. I just wanted to double Basically. check that. Like, because it's it's not that they got rid of what we call, what was called the escape. Right. They just removed what made it that, right? Yeah, by they, adding a touch they bar added the touch it. bar. Because the two-port MacBook Pros use a lower TDP processor than the four-port. They're all eighth generation. But if you look at the specs... Uh, they also both use the the less powerful Intel 645 graphics, where the big one uses 655. Ugh, like, there, hate there is a distinct difference between the two port and four port machines. So you're right; it's a fa- yeah. it's basically the escape with a touch bar slapped on it. But mm-hmm. from the outside, it's like, oh, it's a new computer. <laughs> I think that was the right thing to do. I think so too, and I think it's I think it's a lot more clear. The, the last bit of news is that the across the line Apple has reduced their pricing on SSD upgrades on the Mac. A hundred terabyte or hundred terabytes, a hundred terabyte SSD would be amazing. Uh, a terabyte SSD is about two hundred dollars less. The two terabyte option is about four hundred dollars less. That's across the board. It's you know up and down a little bit on the different models, but effectively it is much cheaper. This means that on the high end of like the iMac Pro and MacBook Pro, you can spend like you can save like over a thousand dollars on the four terabyte SSD as opposed to a couple of days ago. So uh, I like this being more aggressive. I still wish the base models were bigger than one hundred twenty eight gigs, but if you're going to upgrade now. Uh, you will spend you will spend less. And if, if remember when we we spoke about the MacBook Air, I bought my wife one, and it went from five twelve to like one and a half terabytes, and it was like twelve hundred dollars. And now the MacBook Air has a terabyte option uh, in the in the middle of that that's more reasonable. So adjusting those things, uh, I think is uh, is welcome. I'm gonna do the ad. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the. New keyboard rumor. I also want to talk about how to choose between the MacBook Air and the entry-level MacBook Pro because we have some questions about that. Flip a coin. You could flip a coin or you mm-hmm. could do it with logic and reason, which is how I'm going to 
Okay. Walk my way through it. You could ask Siri. You could ask Siri. <laughs> Should we try? We'll try. We'll ask Siri. We'll see what they say. First, let me tell you about our third sponsor, and that is ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers thoughtfully sourced meat directly to your door. And right now, they're offering free bacon for life. So stick around to hear more about that. ButcherBox makes it easy to get high-quality meat that you can trust. Every month, they will deliver 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, and wild Alaskan salmon. So here's how it works. Each butcher box comes with at least 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual meals. And you can choose from five different box types, including a custom box where you can choose exactly how much you need. Or or say you don't want pork or something, you can uh, easily make those adjustments with butcher box. And their meats come from humanely raised open pasture animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. So you can cook with peace of mind, knowing that you are feeding your family healthy, high-quality meat. And because ButcherBox purchases from a collective of ranches, they're able to cut out the grocery store middleman and pass those savings to you. My family has received several ButcherBox boxes and... The stuff is simply great. It comes in a box. It's all frozen. You don't have to worry about coming home to some sort of disaster on your porch. It's all very well organized and laid out in the box. And we've really enjoyed what we've gotten. Just a couple of nights ago, we got some chicken from ButcherBox out of the deep freezer and uh, thawed it out. And we did uh, chicken salad with it. And it was awesome. So to receive $20 off your first box and get a package of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription, go to butcherbox.com connected or enter the code connected at checkout. So head over there now. It is a limited time offer for free bacon for life. That's butcherbox.com connected and the promo code connected at checkout. Our thanks to ButcherBox for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. What about this rumor? So this this came out. We spoke about it on Upgrade. Or we have Marco on Upgrade. And we spoke about the room, a rumor from Ming-Chi Kuo about the 2019 MacBook Air receiving the new scissor keyboard. So moving from butterfly keyboards to a new scissor keyboard, mm-hmm. the keyboard that will also eventually be in the MacBook Pro, but Kuo said 2020 for the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo said that it at some time this year, towards the end of this year, that the MacBook Air would be updated with this new keyboard. But the current keyboard in the MacBook Air that's just been revised um, is this revised materials keyboard tweak from the other 2019 MacBook Pros. You know, when they said they came out a little while ago and yeah. said they've made some tweaks, and then it's funny, these new computers are also in the repair program uh, because they have this keyboard, the, the bad keyboard. But do... What what do we think about this now? Do we think that Quo got this wrong? Are Apple going to update these computers again? I would be surprised if they release another new MacBook Air this year. Even though this was barely a bump, right? All they did was True Tone. Doing it three times in a year or a year, you know, fourteen months or something. That seems really aggressive. But that's not bad, though. But if and that's not bad. But here's the other side of the coin. If there was a MacBook Air update coming, or maybe a spec bump, but with a new keyboard. Why not save True Tone for that? And then that release is bigger. You could still drop the price by $100 now. No one's complaining now that the MacBook Air is old. It's you know less than a year old. You could drop the price now and have a new one in the fall with all this stuff. And that update seems even bigger. So th- that is really the thing that sticks in my mind. It's like, why did this Air get a new feature if there was another one? 
just around the corner. And, you know, Ming-Chi Kuo has an excellent track record, especially and like this is their bread and butter, like supply chain parts, you know, infrastructure type stuff. So I don't know if, if it's wrong or not, but it sure seems unusual if there's going to be another Air with a truly new keyboard later this fall. I mean, I think it'd be great, but I would be surprised at this point if we see that. You know, maybe this is now Q1 or Q2 2020. I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's unusual. I still think we're going to see it this year. I just think that there is um, there's an interesting way to kind of change the tide of public opinion by mm-hmm. like continuing to update machines frequently when they can, right? And again, it's like I don't really understand enough about how the screen technology is made, but it may have just been more cost-effective to change to the new panel. So they're just doing it now, right? As opposed to waiting until everything's done because they wanted to make a change to this machine anyway, you would assume, so they can make it the price that it needs to be for the back to school, right? Like that's why they've done it now. And they've kind of like cleared up the line a little bit. But then they also have this new keyboard ready to go. So they're just going to do it when it's ready as opposed to waiting. That's my hope. But I don't, it, it is a very, it's a different kind of strategy, but mm-hmm. you know. Maybe maybe that's where they want to be with this. I don't know. Uh, we will find out. You know, Apple has been more aggressive with Mac updates, so maybe they're going to continue to crank that up. Um, I also saw another rumor. So uh, it's come from 9to5Mac from Economic Daily News. These are supply chain rumors, right, that uh, there is a 10.2-inch iPad and a 16-inch MacBook Pro coming in the fall, hmm. and it's entering mass production in Q4. So do you remember this 10.2-inch iPad was rumored a while ago? Like this is the one to replace... The nine seven, I guess. Or is, is there is, is that even available anymore? But th- there was a rumor of like a ten point two and a ten point five. Do you remember that? Yeah, and the ten five is the iPad Air, and that there would be an the iPad would become ten point two inches. Like that was that was the rumor. But this is like another supply chain report of this sixteen inch MacBook Pro coming in the fall, and it may be that like maybe it comes really late in the year. You know, like ships super late, or maybe it does ship in the fall and like quo was off a little bit. But it's it's interesting. Like Apple's laptop stuff seems to be going through a real revival right now. Like maybe this is the result of all of that stuff that happened when the Mac Pro like exploded, right? We're now seeing the fruits of that. Like they're putting renewed interest into Mac hardware. Maybe Jeff Williams loves the Mac. I think the iPad rumor is interesting, um, especially if you consider how you know making the iPad bigger the base model makes sense considering what iPadOS is becoming. It's worth having the biggest screens you can have now. Exactly. So you have things like multi-window going on, you have the better home screen, uh, you have you know in, an increasing usage of slide over and split view throughout the system. I think it makes sense to make the, the base iPad not like the Pro, of course, but just a bit bigger, which also, you know, I guess it, it differentiates, you know, it creates differentiation with the mini even more mm-hmm. because that, then you have a gap between the seven something inches and 10.2. Or maybe it allows the uh, mini to screen to get bigger. That's also a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like all iPads to get bigger. So the base one, 10.2, sounds great. In 2020, I want to see a 15 inch or 16 inch iPad Pro. Well, we can put a mouse on it, you know, so why not? Just put on a Vaser arm. Could be a Ricky. I don't know. Could be a Ricky. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty Ricky. Bigger iPad Pro. Mm. Yeah. And that 16-inch MacBook Pro, it's not for me, of course, but uh, I would consider it as an upgrade for Sylvia, honestly. 
Well, you would assume that this is the this will be Apple's proposed future for laptops, right? Like that's yeah. So it should be pretty good. You would hope. See, I'm a little hesitant, uh, especially if they change the keyboard. Like I, I will definitely wait a few months. Yeah. Uh, to hear is this keyboard gonna break or not? Um, because Silvia is experiencing some issues with the keyboard mm-hmm. spacebar. You know the usual spacebar getting is, stuck. Yeah. Yep specific keys getting stuck and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because it's like, all right, I, I know that scissor keyboards are, are, you know, that's what they used to make is to be reliable with them, but I don't trust Apple to not try and do something. Mm-hmm. They're going to say that this scissor keyboard is made with such and such new process that they developed, right? Like, they're not going to do nothing. They're not going to be like, oh, this is just the old one. They're going to fiddle around with something, right, <laughs> to try and make it better. And I know if I was dropping the kind of money on these machines, I would want to give it just a just a little bit of time before doing it. Yeah. So, Stephen, I want to know how you choose between mm-hmm. the MacBook Air and the 13-inch MacBook Pro, but shall I ask Siri first? Yes. Should I buy a MacBook Air or a MacBook Pro? That's hard for me to say, but you can compare Apple products at apple.com. What a coward. Mm. Siri agrees with me. Siri should have said, listen to Stephen. He knows what he's talking about. I was called a Mac expert yesterday in an article, so you can trust me. Oh, really? Huh? Wow, look at you. I mean, you should be by now. Feels like it. I have enough of them. Choosing between the MacBook Air and the entry-level 13-inch MacBook Pro. This is, um, you know, Connected, we're really known for our timely consumer advice, and this is just another long example of that in our history. If you are buying a machine and you're sort of in this range, there are a couple things to consider. Obviously, the price is a big one. The Air is $1099. The Pro is $1299. And that's really what I'm comparing is those entry-level machines. Both have Touch ID. Only the Pro has the Touch Bar. So if that's really important to you, have at it. If you are starting with these and you want to upgrade to have more storage or more RAM, both can go to 16 gigabytes of RAM. The Air can go to a terabyte SSD now. The old 1.5 terabyte option is gone. And the Pro can go to two terabytes. I will say this, when you're looking at entry-level Macs and you're looking to upgrade components of them when you order it, Sometimes you can be in a situation where you would actually spend less or the same amount by starting at the mid-level machine and adding to that. So always like have a couple browser tabs open and make sure you're not uh, giving Apple any more money than you already have to. Something to consider. That is generally better than it used to be, but there are still some uh, occasional places where you would end up better off starting with the mid-range machine. Um, but looking at the the base, the base ones, um, the... MacBook Air is slightly smaller and slightly lighter than the MacBook Pro, but they're both very, very small. Uh, The weight on the MacBook Pro is three pounds. The weight on the Air is 2.76. You're not going to feel that difference in your backpack. Isn't that crazy now that they're so close? It makes the Air kind of like funny. Like what makes it so Air now? Really? It's uh, because it's wedge-shaped. <laughs> Cut through the air. <laughs> that. Like a knife. And thickness-wise, you know, the, the air does taper, but the, the maximum thickness is very, very close. They're effectively in a backpack the same size. Uh, the Pro screen is 100 nits brighter at 500 nits, and it has wide color support, so it has that P3 gamut stuff. Uh, the air is 400 nits, so a little less bright. Honestly, like I said, I have one of these airs in my household, and the brightness is not an issue. It's 400 nits is not as bright as 500, but it's still plenty bright for 
any use that we've had. My, with my expectation is if you do not run your machine at full brightness, don't worry about this. Right. And like, then, I don't. I don't run anything at full brightness. No, I know Federico loves it. Like, just to... No. Don't you run your iPhone at permanent full brightness? No, no. I, oh. I switched uh, last year or a couple of years ago to... I just, I just gave up. Uh, to I, I gave in and embraced the world of auto brightness. And really, it's been fine. Yeah. I, I see now why people were trying to convince me. Too bright. That. Too bright. I know. I know. The uh, the CPU is where things get a little more interesting. The MacBook Air is a dual core system, where the MacBook Pro is a quad core system. So looking at your workload, if you have things that would take advantage of more cores, then the MacBook Pro is going to jump ahead here. The clock speeds are very similar. The Air is at 1.6 gigahertz. The Pro is actually a little bit slower at 1.4 gigahertz. But again, you have twice the number of cores. And the Pro turbos faster at 3.9 versus 3.6 for the Air. All of that to say, I think the gap between the Air and the Pro performance-wise for everyday people is probably not massive. The Pro will be faster under certain circumstances, as you would expect. It can do more in a multi-thread environment. The Turbo is faster. And the MacBook Pro does run uh, hotter with a higher TDP chip, so it should be able to turbo, in, in theory at least, longer and higher than the Air. I don't have one of these new 13-inch MacBook Pros. I have the 15-inch, but uh, my experience with the old quad-core 13-inch is that it could it could run you know, pretty aggressively for a while. You'd hear the fan, but it, it would push it, so... Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of like CPU intensive stuff, the two hundred dollars may be worth it. But again, for most people thinking about you know someone who just needs a computer for the home or the office or a student, the MacBook Air is going to more than hold its own. Don't don't be afraid the MacBook Air is going to be slow because it's just not. The Air is, is yeah. it feels yeah. really good. Cool. You also get a slightly more robust Intel GPU on the MacBook Pro. It has better uh, support for external displays. So you can read about this. We have links in the show notes. But basically, the the MacBook Pro can push more external pixels. Most people aren't running two 4K external displays. So for most people, it's not a problem. Again, perf- You would know. Yeah, you never, never know the difference. Uh, performance-wise, though, it's not a night and day difference between these two GPUs, really. And again having a MacBook Air in the household, having used it uh, a good bit. Uh, my wife actually uses it with an external 4K, the old LG Ultrafine 4K display, and like it's great and runs it extremely smoothly. Again, the Air is not a hobbled machine by any stretch of the imagination. But if you need a little bit more power, the Pro is is there for you. But that power does come with a trade-off, and that is that the MacBook Pro doesn't get as good as battery life. So these are Apple's numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple says the MacBook Pro 13-inch gets 10 hours of on their wireless web test, while wireless the MacBook, web. <laughs> which like, I don't know what wireless web means. This is funny. Not using Chrome, that's for sure. Do you, do you just mean using the computer now, right? Like if you use it off the internet, do you get better battery life? I don't know. I guess so. Uh, the MacBook Air has a smaller battery, but has 12 hours on the wireless web test. I'm pretty sure uh, there is a helicopter above this house right is now. Is there? You, yeah, that was that was very intense. You could probably hear that. Maybe it's uh, they're coming to fix your back. Maybe someone finally made the call. Thank you. Maybe it's the expert. <laughs> <laughs> they were looking for a sign of life from me, and they haven't got it. So. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 air you know, will get better battery life than the pro. Again, it that I think comes down to the processor that it's dual core, slightly uh, less powerful GPU. 
And again, having an air in the household for a while, the battery life seems really good. And uh, I think if if your primary use is on the go, the air pro- should probably win just on battery life alone. So, so all in all, for 200 bucks from the air to the pro, you would get a faster machine and multi-core in particular, a, a better, brighter display, but not hugely brighter, not hugely better. And you get a touch bar and slightly worse battery life. Like all of this, I think confirms to me what we've said for a while is that the MacBook air, once again, as it was, you know, like 2012, 2013, 2014 is the default Mac notebook. If you just need a Mac notebook for school or for work, the MacBook air is not going to let you down. And I think you only have to go to the pro if you need you know, more ports, or you really want the touch bar, or you need a better GPU, you know, and even then you don't get a lot of that stuff until you're, you know, five or $600 more expensive, $700 more expensive than the MacBook Air. It's really cleaned up now. It is. It it totally is. And so I think, I think they did a good job with this. I think the MacBook Air continues to be a really good value for a lot of people. And uh, I think that if you're buying a machine, this, you know, for back to school, I think the MacBook Air is probably the way to go for just about everybody. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. Uh, Federico, do you have any questions about the MacBook Air GPU that are really burning? Not today. Uh, I will, uh, I will uh, follow up with you on my uh, some technical details Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. of the GPU. Once you've, ha- once you've got one in the lab, right? Yeah, yeah. I will run all of my benchmarks. Benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Benchmark tests. Yes, yep. yes. Yep. All, yep. all the, you know... I have. Uh, I actually have the Blackmagic app, but it's not for the GPU. So, the disk write and read thing. I have that. Cool. Are you ready I to know go? What it does? What you got that for? <laughs> He's an know, expert. <laughs> Sometimes I gotta pretend that I care. <laughs> like, aha! Here's a graph. If you want to read more about the stories we talked about this week, you can head over to the website relay.fm/connected/two fifty one. Lots and lots of stuff there. Those links are also in the podcast app you're listening to, and uh, you can learn more there. If you're online, if you're using that wireless web on your Mac or iPad or iPhone, and you want to leave feedback or follow-up for us, you can send us an email from the Connected webpage, or you can uh, do that over on Twitter. You can find Mike there as iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here at Relay FM, so you can check those out. You can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, which, of course, will be home to Federico's excellent iOS review, which I'm uh, very much looking forward to reading later this fall. And uh, so just uh, keep an eye on that. And you can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. I think our sponsors this week, Pingdom, Astropad Studio, and ButcherBox – and until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. You didn't wish me better, which I just think is really mean. For better, Mike. Thank you so much, Federico. You going to say it too? I hope in a swift recovery for you, Michael. All right. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Adios. Arrivederci. Adios. <laughs> goodbye. Cheerio. Ciao. See ya. All right. Let me. Now I now use this computer. Stop.